What's going on, fam bros? On this week's episode, we discuss the official Oscar nominations. We talk about geek dating advice. Plus, we speak to super visual artist extraordinaire Kano. One more thing. Happy MLK Day. Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. And welcome to another edition of Fan Bros. It's your boy. No, it's not your boy, DJ Ben Hameen. It is Kimsonian, the Space Ghost producer of the Fan Bros podcast. Alongside my co-host, the Grand Duchess of Tech, Tatiana King Jones. What's going on? Who just celebrated her birthday earlier this week? Everybody, January give it up! Fourteenth, snitches. Nice. How you feeling? I feel good. I, I I really like your Ben Hamin impersonations. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is the last time you'll be hearing my Ben Hamin impersonation. Unfortunately, he is still away. And he will be coming back to, for the next podcast. Yes, yes, yes. He's so, still with the ladies of Ethiopia. Yeah, actually, I got in a lot of trouble for that. So <laughs> I'm not going to say where he is right now. I'm just going to be, no, no, he's actually his hustle. No, actually, he's, uh, yeah, he's out there hustling, man. He's doing his DJ thing. He's doing his uh, famous guy thing. He's drinking some Tedge. Right. He said that he had some gifts for us. So I'm excited. We're all excited. The Fan Bros Universe misses you, Ben. Um, the Hip Hop William Shatner. The Hip and the Butcher of Names. And the Butcher. Of names. You which, got you got two titles now. Which reminds me, I just saw that uh, season four trailer for uh, uh, Game of Thrones, and uh, I was just thinking about Ben Hamid, how much he's in the Game of Thrones. I know yeah. he's amped, even though he's overseas. I'm amped too, man. I love it. I love that show. Yeah, I always. Say, I don't like the way it ended. That right. last that last season is eh. Well, I always say more dragons, more dragons. I think, you know, I'm the dragon side of uh, of uh, Game of Thrones. And when it comes out, I'm sure we'll be dissecting it frame by frame. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, we just want to kick right into it. Uh, Tatiana, what you got with the uh, tech news? Well, I don't have too much tech news that I really care to talk about, only because I've been talking about all week long. But there is one mobile app slash game of the week that I definitely wanted to speak about is for iOS and Android. It is the RoboCop game. Oh. Yes, and it is based off the RoboCop movie that's coming out soon. Uh, it's coming out in the spring, right? Coming out in the spring. Coming out in the spring. Um, it's actually really good. I am freaking shocked. It's, it got a four and a half stars on both uh, Android and iOS, uh, Google Play and the Android, excuse me, and the Apple App Store. And I was shocked. I was like, yeah, right, whatever. Let's see what this is about. Oddly enough, it plays very well. Nice. It looks smooth. The graphics are pretty dope. Nice. It's a third-person shooter. Okay. So you can do things like upgrade your weapons. You got your choices of dual handguns. You can do plasma guns. You can do rail guns, shoddies. See, you realize that I think you were more of a Candymania person, but you're coming out with all this heavy nah, metal. I mean, but I mean, I like, I like for me, I, I like all types of games, and and particularly, I like third-person shooters when they're done well yes you know even first-person shooters when they're done well but this particular thing i was a little shocked but shocked in a good way very pleased so like i said you could do your you have a your your range of guns you can upgrade your guns for better accuracy firing power firing rate things like that there is also a um a method to upgrade your suit so your suit you come you come in with a little corny and I mean, I say corny, but the cannon silver suit right. and eventually work your way up to, to the SWAT team nice. black suit. So nice. pretty good. And you got your you got I don't even know how many levels is on this damn thing, but it's mad levels, just different scenarios, different situations. You got snipers coming at you. You got three, four, five guys shooting at you at one time. It is really fun. Nice. And I, you played it on the train and I played it on a train. I got through like 
the first like two or three bosses so i was i was hype i was nice. like oh i was even i was even playing before we started this and, and got a little loud yeah fan bros uh <laughs> tatiana was playing and she was cutting through the walls so apparently somebody came out and had to turn us down a little bit <laughs> <laughs> they said ma'am please turn down yes exactly. you're, you're a little too loud so you got uh, hyped off that robocop game yeah and and it's also free so so once again uh the robocop game is on android and ios get it trust me you'll love it and uh apparently the oscar nominations came out this morning yes they did i had a big list that was sitting on huffington post it's the same people you thought, the same movies you thought would be nominated, they okay. got it. So everything that we had said on our previous episode, they're in there. They're in there. They're in there. What, you got your 12 Years a Slave? Right, but no butler? No. I, no I, Oprah? I, I, no Oprah? I saw the snub list, too, and the snub list was a little... Anyway, out there, fan bros, you guys can, <laughs> can Google all this stuff. We're not going to go down the noms for you. But one thing that did jump out at me, well, it was a couple of things, but the main thing was this Captain Phillips movie is all over the place. Like, that was the only movie that came out last year. See, man, now this is the thing. I don't understand why you're shocked by this. Be- I mean, really? This is, this is, first, 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 this is Tom Hanks, the Tom Hanks. And pretty much anything that he he puts his foot in halfway, they, they people, all the, all the, um, award people are going to be like, yep, what? Tom yeah. Hanks in it. Let's look at it. So first of all, it's Tom Hanks. Boom. That's 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 like one, two, and three right there. Secondly, it's about an American tragedy slash hero story. Of course, it's going to get nominated. Come on, man. What do you expect? It's 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 basically saying America F. Yeah. Like, come on, man. What yeah, do you expect? No, I mean, I get it, but I, I don't know. I just felt like there was there were a couple of other movies, Lone Survivor and what have you, and all these other kind of pro-America movies. But I don't know. Also, I'm glad that the the the, the actor uh, who was the limousine driver in Minneapolis got nominated. Oh, oh yeah, the, the, the one that played the, the um, yeah, terrorist. Right, in the Golden Globe. He's captain now. Actually, actually, Ben Hamin is in that area. Maybe I should like kind of shut up. I want to get him in trouble. <laughs> he's fine as long as he's not in a little skiff. Right, off exactly. The, coast. the Dow uh, off the coast. But uh, anyway, yeah, um, fan bros, check out the knobs if you're really into the Oscars. Nothing super new. Um, animated section was a little interesting. The animated section was a little dry. Miyazaki got nominated, which of course yeah, he always gets. Yeah, but then, then you got but... stuff like the Crudes up there that ain't nobody watching yeah. no daggone Crudes. And then what? you have Frozen, which is like apparently the only animated feature this whole entire year that people actually like gave somewhat of a damn about well no the in the crew, box office right 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 frozen latecomer kind of blew it up but uh yeah. um there is a i think it's kind of independent uh ernest and celestine i think it's called yeah looks different and uh you know big up to a different style of animation especially for me coming from that world i always like to see something a little different um and yeah i think that's it for the oscar noms um let's yeah. see anything standing out to you now I'm looking at this list again, and like I said, it was it's just like typical. Like there's to me, there was no surprises, and and maybe because we've been talking about it for so so right, long now. Right, now, right. now we just know what's about to happen. Right. Um, it's not an Oscar news, but it's partly movie news. Go ahead. That turned out to kind of be a rumor, like a real, real rumor, meaning like it's not even true. There was a rumor going around that Marvel was talking to Johnny Depp. Oh right, I heard about that. To play Doctor Strange, I heard about that. That got deaded though. That got deaded. That got, got deaded. It was it was a good it was a good, you know, like about eight mm, eight hour long rumor, and then it got deaded. They should do. They actually should do it with uh, Tim Burton. He could do like a real funny version of Doctor Strange. My thing is like, 
first, Johnny Depp only primarily works with Tim Burton. Like, he works with Tim Burton, like, maybe one other director, and that's it. Uh, like, every movie is right. like that. But they said he's too busy doing Pirates of the Caribbean and um, some other movie that I don't care about. But <laughs> <laughs> Get that sequel, but, money. But that came out that was dead. But, I mean, if he did, if that was true, like, how would you feel about that? Like, I think he could pull it off. But then totally, again, he could pull off anything. He could totally pull it off. There's better people to do it, like, physically, but he yeah. could totally pull it off, and he could give it something interesting. Um, yeah, so the Oscars is what it is. The Golden Globes were last week. Yeah, kind of interesting. Yeah. But, again, nothing really groundbreaking. Um, well, this is this is – a little it's weird, maybe not groundbreaking. Go ahead. Um, Fox is making a movie based off of Magic the Gathering, the card I, game. I think I think the geek uh, fandom world is on fire about that, but I do think it might be a little polarizing. I don't get how this is supposed to work. That's what I mean by polarizing. There's yeah. a couple of titles that they've done that with before where they've tried to translate something that's a little more abstract yeah. and tried to kind of put make it into a story we'll see how it goes um you know i always think there's so many other things they could be bringing to the screen it could be so many things. like does everything have to be like an adaptation of a of a card game like i thought they were going overboard when they uh, adapted um battleship i was like you guys are taking it too far they're pegs man they're pegs did you see the flying pegs in the movie son Okay, let me let me tell you those what the, I saw. I didn't see it worst. in the theater because I would not give them my money. Right. But I saw it on like HBO, whatever, right, like right. a couple months ago. I was sitting there like the flying pegs. They are serious right now with the flying pegs. With the flying pegs, dude. The flying pegs and the aliens and Rihanna and it it, it was so. Battleship has flying pegs and Twilight <sighs> has glowing vampires with diamond skin. F that man. I, I'm not here for that. I feel you. So uh, we'll see what uh, this year brings. And um, with that, you know, let's move on to our next segment. I think uh, we're starting this new thing here on Fan Bros. And can't wait till Ben Hameen gets back because he's kind of the master at this stuff. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, we're trying to give uh, some advice uh, to the Fan Bros out there. Love advice. Love advice. Exactly. All different types of advice. Um, but we're starting with the relationship advice, actually. Yeah. So uh, there's a book out mm-hmm. written by Eric Smith called mm-hmm. The Geek's Guide to Dating. Ooh. And uh, it came out last, I think, November. It's been getting a couple of good reviews. It's actually pretty interesting. Um, there's a lot of geek kind of dating sites out there, the online craze and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. This book is actually pretty cool because... Uh, first of all, he defines a geek as somebody who's really just passionate about something. So I really feel like, you know, he so kinda, anything he, like if I'm he, passionate about pet rocks. Right. But he kind right. Exactly. If I'm passionate about like, you know, watching the movie Ghost. Yes. Especially if you're passionate about watching the movie Ghost. OK. But I feel like, you know, when you say a geek, most of the time you're thinking of a white male with glasses and a beard and maybe out a little out of shape. Why you have to have a beard, though? <laughs> Uh, maybe the Harry Knowles vibe. I don't know. Maybe that's my generation of geek. But uh, he kind of just defined it by passion. And one of the points that I thought was really interesting was when you're meeting somebody new, you don't necessarily need to smother them with your passion. Like, no. you know, you can be passionate about something without alienating somebody else. I thought that was a pretty good point. I think it's so, good people find out what your passion are. Like, you work, they work themselves into you and you into them. Like, you learn about each other. Like, oh, you're passionate about 
knitting. Right. Fine, whatever. But also, you can present it in a way that makes you bring that person closer to you as opposed to really nagging them and pushing them in the opposite direction. So I thought that was a really good piece of advice. So I'm not being paid or anything, but if you want to, <laughs> go check out his book. It's uh, called The uh, the Geek's a, Guide the, to Dating. The Geek's Guide to Dating. By Eric Smith. And uh, also hit us up on the website. We were trying to get some questions from you guys, but apparently all the fan bros don't have relationship problems because nobody asked the question. And yeah. I don't know if you guys trust us or is it me? <laughs> or maybe when like you Ben don't, you comes don't trust back. Us? I told y'all I'm married to a fellow fan bro so yeah trust tatiana you don't have to trust me but trust tatiana so if you guys got questions out there definitely write us you know hit us up on the site fanbros.com ask us all sorts of if you're awkward and you don't know how to talk to somebody you know tatiana's got that swerve nation blood oh, she can Lord. give you all what is swerve nations Sir, sir, <laughs> what is Swerve Nation? Swerve Nation is when you put it's swag, basically. Which I leads thought me, swag was dead. Yeah, swag is dead, but which leads me to another point. I'm wondering, do geeks of color have more swag than non-colored geeks? It's debatable. Mm. It's debatable. Do you want me to go in, go into why I believe? It's please, please. It's debatable because I believe that if we're gonna use the word swag, I believe that. This podcast right here is comprised of people who are geeks, but yet they have swag. Okay. They are geeks of color. That's great. And I know a lots of cool geeks. You know, we're going to be talking to the cool geeks throughout the, this whole year. We've been talking to cool geeks last year, all our guests that came in. However, I have been privy to being in situations where these geeks of color are not smooth whatsoever. In so fact, there, there the are swagless awkward, geeks of color. Extra awkward dude nice so this we have i mean just like anything just like anything just else. like anything else being a geek is not a monolith man there's right. different there's different levels there's a of variety different shades. right as there's variety of swag yes. even though that word is thirty thousand years old but. <laughs> so anyway all right well thanks for answering that because that, that was really i was racking my brain i was like you know what geeks of color probably because all the ones that i know already have swag and i was like they won't hit me up for relationship advice. <laughs> But anyway, I'm sure there's some fan bros out there who are, have questions, dying to know if you trust us at all. Give us a holler. Uh, you know, now you're saying if you trust us. <laughs> Downgraded from trust us to, well, if you trust us. I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> I, I never write into nobody on no podcast about nothing. Well, write into us. Like I said, right. I, I will I will make it a point to put up the post just so you can see that it's real. That's right. That's right. This is real, all right? So, Hit us up. Let us know how you feel. Whatever. Even if it doesn't necessarily have to be relationship advice. Even if you just want advice, period. Well, we're here to help. And we definitely want to hear from you. Cool, Tatiana. Thanks for that one. And now, fan bros, we're going to take a little break and see you on the rebound. Hey, this is Jamie Rigetti. Thanks for listening to Fan Bros. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, and comment on iTunes. And welcome back, fan bros. I hope that break wasn't too long. I want to, what? That's my Ben Hameen. What are you, why are you laughing? I can't stop laughing. Just stop laughing for I'm sorry, you sound like him. I'm sorry. I'm trying to keep the faith while he's not here. So anyway, right about now, we have our super special guest, an old friend of mine, somebody who I've wanted to get on the show for a long time to explain the ins and outs of a certain world that most people don't really, really connect with. I want to just introduce my man, super street artist extraordinaire, animator, vinyl designer, shoe designer, all around graph cat, and originally from NYC, of course, my man Kano. Woo! 
<laughs> what up, y'all? What's good? Yo, man, thanks for joining the show. Thanks for checking in on Fan Bros. We appreciate it. Sure, man. It's a dope show. I'm feeling it. So, man, I just want to cut to the chase. Uh, so, you know, I kind of introed you as an artist. I wanted to say, how would you describe what you do? That's pretty much it. I I'd say artist because uh, I do a little bit of everything. And uh, I can't think of any other way to describe it but that because... Yeah, I, I just do a lot of a lot of different mediums. I hop around so I don't get bored. Like, well, can you give us some specifics? What do you do in terms of art? All right, so uh, I, my animation would be like I guess my nine to five, right? Yeah. And then on the side, I do gallery stuff. I do paintings. I design and I produce uh, vinyl toys. Oh uh, wow! For a lot of you people, for people who don't know that much, maybe like like uh, Kid Robot is an example of what that is. Ah, right? okay, okay. Yeah, so I do stuff like that, and every once in a while I get a cool project like uh, an album cover thing, or uh, recently I got to collaborate or do some projects with Nike, and uh, so that kind of like, you know, it's from illustration to toy design, and it could be mainstream toys, so my stuff could be anywhere from on TV, on a big screen, toy shelves at Target, like all over the place, you know, I kind of, it's, it's like a hustle for me, so I do what i what i can you know i'm glad you mentioned the word hustle man because ever since i've known you that's exactly how i would say like you're an art hustler definitely keeping your brand out there and uh i wanted to know how did you get started with art uh art is just one of those things that i found out i could draw really early and i got attention from it and then it just kept i guess attention is like an addiction for an artist and you keep on just wanting to get better and you keep doing it and I was lucky enough to always be surrounded by artists growing up in New York. So mm. I never. Uh, when you say when you say you got attention, what were you doing? You was out in the street doing some street art. You was tagging what you was doing. No, even earlier before that, like I'm I'm talking about like like being at home and showing your mom a drawing. And mm, she. OK, OK. You know what I mean? And yeah. then it's kind of like then your cousin comes over and he can draw better. So you want to draw. But, you know, things like that. <laughs> so I've it's always been something that I could do. And when I you. Like in school, when I wouldn't study for a test and I knew I was failing it in the middle of the test, I would turn the paper over and draw it, something about the topic so I could get some kind of bonus credit. And I usually get like a 65 or something. Oh, so you was, you was using that to skim that line, man. You was like, well, at least I got a somewhat passing grade. <laughs> yeah, man, because I was like, come on. Like, she got, it was always like, yeah, it, I always used it as a crutch in, in every way I could. Wow. Well, it's amazing how you turn that into a to a profession because not everybody's able to do that, you know. Um, let me ask you another question. Like, uh, originally, uh, you're from Lefrak, Queens, yes? Yeah, that's where I grew up, pretty much. Corona, Lefrak City area, yeah. So you're you're like a New York City kid coming up with 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 uh, you know with all the influences of New York City, and uh, how has that really influenced your art? Um, it's influenced my art in every way. Uh, not only just my art and what I draw, but how I view art. Um, like we were talking about art being a hustle. Like I grew up, like when I was coming up, I was watching the older kids in my neighborhood airbrush jackets and, and pants and all that stuff. So the first amount, the, the first art job that I had was like drawing Simpsons on, on jeans, you know? And I was like, using crayons and Sharpie. So I always looked at it as a source of income. And to this day, like I've never had a job that I haven't, that is, that's not art related. 
You know, like I've never had like I've always been uh, even before like working papers, I, I could design flyers and make money off of that. Mm -hmm. So I always saw it in that uh, capacity. So that had a strong influence on how I look at art in general. So, I mean, aside from that, hip hop, of course, and just growing up in in New York and just having those influences of, of graffiti mm. and. You know, my introduction to almost like comic characters and comic books came from like seeing characters on graffiti walls. Like, you know, every piece has a character at the end of it. I know when I was coming up, that's what got me into grab. I mean, I love the letters, but when I started seeing the characters, I was like, oh, my goodness, that's I want to rock like that. Was that the same for you? It's exactly the same. I wouldn't know who like a character like Cheech Wizard was if I didn't see it in a graffiti piece. You right, know, right. Um, so things like that. Uh, even, you know, there would even be like Donald Duck characters. And those are the things that popped out for me. The letters were cool, but at that age, I couldn't decipher a lot of the stuff. You know, I just remember seeing the characters and being like, that just, that just looks so ill. And that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. That's, that, that's, that's insane that, that you're able to kind of turn that around. I mean, you know, there's, there's definitely a legacy of kind of graph cats who went into kind of more of a fine art world, but I got to say, I've seen your hustle, man, and it's it's been consistent for a long time, man. Um, yeah, blow, blow. I need to blow up already. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> how long have how long you been doing this? Well, I'm 36 now. So, I mean, I've been doing it. I've been building, like, for a while. For, you know, I felt like there was a couple of years there where I was kind of just doing, you know, the 9 to 5, like, animation gig and not really uh, trying to push on other stuff. But for the last, I'd say, 10 years, I've been building my own name and my own brand and like trying to do more projects um aside from what i do as a job right 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 um let's let's take it back to left rock for a quick second um yeah were you ever were you ever like a clown because you were into that like what was because was it hot to be an artist in your circle or how come you wasn't spitting bars or whatever or you know what i mean Yo, fortunately for me, I, I have to be like a really lucky artist in, in, in this respect because I was always surrounded by by artists, you know, like the older, like when I was growing up in New York, I was, uh, I skateboarded a lot. That was like the nerd, not the nerdy thing, but that was like the alternative uh, that was the counterculture. At the right, time. right. Yeah. Big time. Like when I would skateboard, all the kids in my neighborhood would be all the kids in my neighborhood would be like, oh, cowbunga dude, radicals. <laughs> I to put up with a lot of that shit. That's the only thing that I got kind of made fun of a little bit. Right. But um, the kids that I skateboarded with uh, were older than me, and they were going to high school of art and design already. Um, they were high school kids, and these are the dudes that I kind of learned. Like, I'm, I'm a fan, bro, but by affiliation. You know what I mean? Like all like these kids that I used to skateboard with, they're the ones that had the Akira T-shirts, the mm -hmm. um, you know the Punisher T-shirts and all that stuff. They knew all the comic stuff, the Fangoria magazines, all that. So I kind of learned it from them, and through skateboarding, I, I learned like more of that uh, comic culture and stuff. So I was never really ridiculed for that for doing my art. The only time I caught some heat that was uh, a little art based was when I graduated from junior high school and I got accepted into the high school of art and design. Uh, the kids in my class, <laughs> I don't know why, but at this, at, at, this is like 1990, 91, there was like this weird phobia 
uh, the, this weird homophobia about going to school in Manhattan. Really? <laughs> yeah. So I would so I would tell them I was like, yeah, I'm going to school, and they'd be like, oh, you're gonna be going to school with homos and this and that. I'm like, huh? What? what? Wow. <laughs> that is so random. That's yeah. Le- that's le- left rack though, right? Or I mean. Yeah, yeah, like Corona, like that area. So it was predominantly like you know, uh, black Dominican neighborhood, you know. Right. It was weird. It was weird to hear that. But anyway, I, I mean, I knew it wasn't the case because I've been hanging out in the city a lot at that time already. So, but that was the only time I've been pretty much. Uh, I've had a, a real uh, art nurturing childhood, I would say. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> that, that hey man, that sounds great. Well, um, before we we leave uh, Queens, um, talk about your run-ins with Nori. Oh yeah, N O R E. We gotta hear about this, sir. So Nori's an interesting dude, right? I don't like know him, know him, but he's this dude that you would just always run into, and just catch some beef with in the neighborhood. He was just always like that. He was always on to picking on somebody or doing some shit, and he was like that young dude who hung out with all the older hustler dudes. So you kind of couldn't touch him without getting really like your ass kicked. You know what I mean? Nice. So everything he spits about on his albums is true. Like, you know, I, I he's he's official. So uh, there's, there's a couple of times, right? There's many, like- <laughs> Wait, speak on this, sir. We gotta yeah. know. Okay, so there was this one, there's a couple, I'll, I'll give you two examples. He was the type of dude that would come out with his little brother. He had a little brother he used to play football with. And he would, like, if I was skateboarding by, he would ask you to, he would tell you to play football with his brother, with him and his brother. Even if you had something else to do, and be like, nah, nah, I can't. He'd be like, nah, <laughs> with my brother and blah, blah, blah. And his boys would be, like, right on the sideline. Like, you couldn't say no. It was like, oh, damn. You know what I mean? Like, you had to play football real quick and just get the hell out of there. So that was that was one situation, but there was there was another situation where like he would do the kind of stuff where like if you go to the pizzeria and you catch it, you buy a slice and you're walking out of it with out of the pizzeria with the slice on your plate, you would walk by and just take it out of your hand. Like, oh, dang. <laughs> <laughs> what a nice guy! So he did that to me once, but my brother was there. My brother was older and he knew like a lot of the older dudes because just because he he was he was rolling like that, and my brother took it out of his hand and he looked back at my brother. And, you know, my brother gave him the kind of like, what? Like, what are you going to do kind of thing? He just backed up. So I was just like, oh, man, this kid's like crazy. But wow. <laughs> so you that in your neighborhood who's like rowdy, always into shit. And then he disappears for a while. And then you see him on TV, like with a rap video. And it's like, yo, that's crazy. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> so wait, did he ever threaten to drop a flower pot on you? Because he did that to Nas. <laughs> No, but he's that kind of he's the kind of dude like in the nineties, like when Homie the Clown was big, he would run around with a homie doll, like socking people, like you know what I mean? Like what? Super- <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got the real Nori stories. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Pop like Poppy is the name of his last album, but that's what really was his neighborhood name. That's why everybody knows him as oh, Okay. Okay. Well, cool, man. Well, so uh you go to uh School of Art and Design and then you graduate and then you go where? Um uh, school of visual arts is where I went after high school of art and design. Okay. Uh, I went there kind of like, that's an interesting story too, because when I went to high, when I was at high school of art and design and everybody was filling up their paperwork for college, I was kind of just going through the motions and not doing any of that. I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do when I graduate. Right. Then there's one girl that I was cool with at lunchtime. She was kind of filling out college papers and doing all that, all that stuff. And I was sitting next to her 
And she was like, you should really apply to these schools and this and that. And I was like, blah, 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 whatever. And she literally like filled out an SVA application for me. <laughs> Whoa. And then like, uh, I sent it in with the money or whatever. And I got accepted. It's like the only school I applied to. And then, um, I got accepted to it. And then I, I went there not knowing what I wanted to do. Uh, I went into illustration my freshman year and then, um, I saw that you could do animation as a major and I tried it out and it seemed fun to be able to do cartoons and learn how to make them. And at that time, like all the big studios were like, you know, full blast making feature movies. So I saw a lot of um, opportunity uh, for some kind of employment, you know, which is what I was mainly looking for at that time. So uh, that's why I stuck with animation. And that's what I've been at. <laughs> yeah, man. So your career, um, when I look at your resume, it looks like you're, you, you've you dibbled and dabbled at a lot of different places. Um, why don't you kind of sum it up for us, like, really quick, your animation career? My animation career has been, uh, well, I started at MTV Animation, and I worked on a couple of productions there. And, you know, that was a lot of fun. And then I, I did a lot of smaller projects for different studios in the city. And when I wasn't working, you know, when I was uh, in between seasons of shows, like one of the shows I worked on was Daria. So we would work on like 12 episodes. And then when there was a break, I would freelance for like everybody that I could think of. When I got out of school, I had the mentality of wanting to put my portfolio and my resume in every studio I could. Like I had kind of like a graffiti mentality of like mm -hmm. wanting in every studio possible you know I was just like making calls and it didn't matter if they were hiring or if I had a job coming up I just wanted to make sure that I had something in their archive you know in in their library of uh, artists so I would just go to all these places and drop stuff off and that's how I ended up getting a lot of freelance work between gigs and that's what all it is it's a, it's a series of big projects that I've worked on and in between those big projects, there's been a whole lot of little projects. And just because of the nature of the biz, you end up with a really long resume and a lot of cool projects, and you meet all these different people that sometimes lead up to other projects. So, I mean, I've uh, in terms of animated shows, I've worked on Venture Brothers, Daria, um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, Codename Kiss Next Door, a uh, bunch of other stuff in New York. And then... Then now I'm kind of like my California res resume is like a whole different thing also, you know. So it's it's been a, a pretty, uh, I've, I've been busy. It's been, a, a, I've been in the game for a while now. There's a lot of people who were in the game when I started that are not anymore. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting. But uh, yeah, that's just my career in, in a nutshell, I guess, just jumping yeah. around. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I'm glad you explained it that way too, because a lot of times, you know, people want to be in, in animation you know, they think, uh, you know, it's like uh, kind of a steady thing, but it does have its ups and downs, and it definitely has its, uh, you definitely got to keep hustling even when you do work on a popular show. Um, yeah, I mean, like, when you go into animation as an artist, you have to know that it, it's a gypsy lifestyle. You know, it's kind of just one of those things. In in many ways, it's I always look at it as like being a bike messenger. You're kind of just all over the place, and you, you you're doing this hustle just to keep doing what, what you want to do in life and, and maintain that, uh, just that art, that lifestyle that you want, you know? So that's what it is. You, you get what you, uh, you get out of it, what you put in. That's right. That's, that's right. right. Um, um, 
So now talk to us a little bit about your 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 whole vinyl, the vinyl toy game, the kind of vinyl game. You know, I mean, it's, it's been around for a while. And like you said, in the past 10 years, you've been really working on your brand. And I think that's when I kind of noticed that you were really getting into the vinyl game. Um, why don't you speak on that a little bit? Because I think most people see the toys, but they don't really know the process or kind of how that how that how these toys kind of come to be. So can, can you speak on that a little bit? Yeah, uh, let me tell you, uh, I'll start with how I got interested in it, right? So this kind of backtracks a little bit and goes into my upbringing and growing up in New York and having hip hop as a huge influence in me and like just I drew what I saw, right? So I had characters with Tim's and all that stuff and blah, 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 blah. So now flash forward to like say 2004, I start going to like just toy stores, just kind of like just to check out, you know, how like Forbidden Planet will have like a toy section and, you know, and all this stuff. Just from the nature of like animation, you're working with other artists who collect toys, so you get interested in it a bit. So I go to this designer toy store in New York called Toy Tokyo, and I noticed um, Michael Lau, his designs and his toys. Now it's interesting because I was looking at all these toys, which were like hip hop toys and looked straight up like stuff from out of my black books, like things that I draw, you know? So I was like, that's crazy that I'm looking at another country's perception of like my my childhood almost, you know what I mean? Of like what I grew up doing. And it's like, well, if this guy's doing it, how come like someone from New York from here is not doing it? You know what I mean? So I started just being more interested in meeting people that were making toys and I had been working in animation for so long, you know, I was single and and I was just saving money at the time. Actually, I wasn't single, but I was uh, saving money at the time. I didn't have kids or anything. So I was just kind of like, I had chips stacked, man. So I was like, all right, well, um, I was so excited about this toy thing that I met somebody who could produce them. And I jumped, I just jumped in with two feet and was like, all right, well, here's, here's the loot that I have saved and uh, I'm just going to make it. I'm just going to make a toy without having any idea of how to distribute it or sell it. I just kind of wanted to make it so I could see it happen. You know what I mean? So, and then once I did it, I kind of learned step by step to get a distributor and to get this and that. And luckily for me in 2005, the hype of like Kid Robot and vinyl toys was still like at a, at a like at a real high, you know? So I was able to make a name for myself early and sell like all the stuff I made and use that profit to go into other um other toys and stuff like that real quick what was the first uh toy that you put out first toy i put out was called money grip and he was uh you know comes from the word money grip like we just always say growing up and uh he was like a little dude with a fist head and he had like a little bubble goose with a with a fur collar and uh it's interesting because i never had any i never had an interest in being like business savvy or a businessman but then when i found out that i could make a business uh, that revolved around my art, it kind of became a lot more interesting for me to start learning. So that's kind of how I started getting into the business side, like just by default, I guess. Fan bros out there, go and Google uh, Kano's stuff because you'll see how much New York and, and Left Rack and Queens and Corona have influenced his toys. Um, I'm, de- I'm definitely a big fan. Um, so uh, you you do your first one and then it sells out and then so what it, it uh they keep asking you for more how does that really work? No, it goes it goes like this. So I made the first toy right, and then I got a distributor and he distributed and got into all these different stores, 
Um, at the time, there wasn't that many artists in the scene. So like the forums and everyone online got to know your name pretty fast. And after that, I start getting invited to doing um, like custom toy shows and art shows. And I start doing those at the same time. Um, you know, I'm building momentum and then I start doing other projects. And then I have other companies that hit me up, like say if like Kid Robot sees that you have some kind of momentum and they'll be like, oh, could you submit some designs or some other toy company? And you start doing all these little toys and then, you know, it just it just keeps on going. And that's kind of what I've, I'm still on that ride kind of, you know. Nice, like, man. Nice. And what's the uh, what's the latest toy that you put out? The latest toy that I've designed was uh, called the Dragon King, and that was like my first like non-hood type toy, but it still has like all my steez and, and my style in it. And um, but it's my take on Bruce Lee, and uh, it's just a toy I've been wanting to make for a long time. And this company hit me up, wanting a design that they wanted to produce, and I was like, well, I have this, but I don't have any rights or permission. Uh, if you don't care, I don't care. Let's do it. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> they were cool with it. And uh, we produced those, and I was able to give a set of those to Bruce Lee's daughter, and she was digging them. So that was really cool. Wow. Yeah, that was the last figure I did. And aside from that, I've been doing a, uh, the other the other figure that I'm most proud of is my Bodega figure. So this 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 toy called Bodega, and it's a, it's a toy based off of a quarter water, a quarter water drink. Oh, I like that idea. So it's a little quarter water dude, and he's got a spray can head, and uh, brass knuckles in one hand, and an orange box cutter in the other. So it's straight up like that's nineties nineties left rock. Box, yeah, man. He, he definitely uh, represents all that you uh, <laughs> come from. <laughs> You know, I love that. I love that figure, man. I love it. It's fun. Yeah, without being an actual tropical fantasy bottle or something. Right, right, right. But um, but yeah, it's just been it's just been a crazy ride with the toy thing, and that that's opened up a lot of you know because of the toy scene. I've exhibited in art shows. I've been in museums and stuff, and I've 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 dealt with museums, and it's been it's been really cool, like a learning experience. You know, I have I have a show coming up, like an exhibit, and it's a the Museum of Martial Arts History, and that's kind of like I have no business there. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's amazing, man. Art can open doors, fan bros. Definitely. I wanted to um, ask you about uh, your latest uh, venture with Nike. How did how did you get to work with them? Well, I've kind of been working with Nike, like on the low, just as like you know, artists for hire type stuff uh, for a couple of, since like two thousand nine, kind of like whenever they have these board meetings and they have an idea and they need to pitch a concept. So a lot of the stuff that I've done for them in the past has not seen the market, but these, the, um, the new stuff that I just did for them is will be coming out in holiday 2014 this year. Whoa. So it's new stuff. I can't talk too much about it, but it's, um, it's like, uh, so it's, it's going to be cool. <laughs> That's all you can say on it. You can't, you can't give us a little fan bros exclusive. The Kano Nike? Not, it's not a sneaker, because that's like my oh, okay. dream job. Okay. Um, okay. Oh, so you're not dropping the Red Octobus. Okay. Uh, it's, it's a pack. <laughs> and, like, it's going to be cool. I'm going to get some some brand recognition on it, and uh, it's going to be dope. But last, um, uh, this past summer, I got to go to Nike and visit them in Oregon, and they gave me the whole tour and everything, and that place is amazing. 
that was one of those kind of like, wow, like, I can't believe I'm here right now. <laughs> right, right, right. It all paid off. All those nor- those times Nori um, snatched your slice of pizza, right? <laughs> now you're at Nike. It was it was, it was was definitely interesting because, you know, I, I'm a sneakerhead. So just being there was interesting and just, just was just like, man, it's crazy. Like, when I say, like, I'm a fan, bro, by association, I mean, like, I've worked on a lot of cool things that I don't know that much about. Okay. Mm. <laughs> like, for example, um, okay, over here in California, right, I, I work at Warner Brothers Animation. So um, I'm in and out of there right now, but I was working on several shows. And one of the projects I was working on, it wasn't the Green Lantern show. It was, uh, it was like, for a Green Lantern card set that was coming out after the, the live-action movie came out. This is before anybody knew it was going to flop and it was going to be horrible. Right. So I was doing all this um, character art for them. And, like, I only know Green Lantern through Justice League, through the Justice League cartoon. Like, there's one Green Lantern, and, yeah, in the comic books, I know that there was a black Green Lantern. That's it, right? So I get on this project, and I'm drawing all different types of – like, there's a red lantern, there's yellow lanterns. They all have different things that they do. And I didn't know any of that. And nobody that I worked with could believe that I didn't know any. They thought I was like bullshit. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like, I don't know this. The same thing with like, um, and I still don't know it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I've worked on projects where like, I don't know what the characters do. Sometimes I have to be like educated on it. Cause I never like my comic book knowledge. Like I don't really have, I, I just know comic books because I've always looked at the art. You know, I'd never like re- even really the only comics that I kind of read were like those Marvel cards in the 90s. I would read like the back of some of those cards. So you got the like, you, you got the cliff notes to superheroes. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of just, you know, I skimmed through and I get away with what I can. So I worked on, you know, the show um, Batman, the Brave and the Bold. Right. And that show was one of those shows that really pulled from all like obscure DC comic characters. And because of that show, I got to know more of the universe. But aside from that, I'm kind of like, I'm pretty bad. I'm like the worst uh, fan, bro. That you know, like I said, I'm a fan, bro, by association. Yeah, but when it yeah, comes but- to graffiti artists, you kind of know a lot of people, though, right? Like, I mean, you know the history, and you, I mean, maybe that's your fan, bro. Them. No, I know it a lot more. I I know a lot more, like the people, like you know, stuff like that, and and who did what. Yeah, same thing with sneaker design. So there you go. You don't always no. need to know which Green Lantern does what. <laughs> no, in my case, I don't. Yo, man. Yo. Um, yeah, man. Thanks for, uh, you know, checking in. I, I'm, we're about to wrap up real quick. But uh, one more thing I wanted to ask you about was uh, I saw on your FB, uh, on your Facebook uh, timeline, you had this rant where you were like, don't don't use uh, color as an excuse for uh, not getting hired or something like that. You want to speak on that? Yeah, I do want to speak on it because um, I feel like a lot of people vent on that on Facebook, a lot of artists. And I don't think they understand that, you know, when I worked on Brave and the Bold, it was me and Lanell Forstall. He's like a character designer, you know, and he's black. And the producer, James Tucker, is black. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, And there's, you know, a lot of writers that are black. You know what I mean? It's just like I don't see the... Like I feel like sometimes people use it as an excuse because they're they're not getting in because they lack the experience, and I feel like that's two different things, man. Like, 
I just, uh, I feel like people rant about the wrong thing sometimes because do, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I can't ref refresh. What else did I say now? <laughs> I, no, I don't know. But you were just like, I mean, you, it was a Kano-ism. Kano always posts these kind of crazy things on Twitter and Facebook. But he was like, yo, don't, no. don't. It wasn't don't blame the white man for not hiring <laughs> you. But it was something along those lines. Like, if you're an artist, uh, you know, you can't use race as a. As a you basically saying don't let your race hold you back. Don't let that be a factor in your head. Or as an excuse. I think it was more like don't use excuses if you're not getting hired as, a, as an artist and if you're of color, right? Something like that. And I, I also brought up because there's been times, like, that I look around and, yeah, I'm like the only – maybe I'm like the only person who's not white in a meeting. You know what I mean? I'll look around and be like – but I got to really, like, get out of – I got to really put myself in a position where I'm looking for that. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. like otherwise, like, I should be just focusing on the script and what I got to design. You know what I mean? Like – if I walked into every interview and every job I went to and was like, wow, there's nobody here that's like Hispanic or black or like, come on, man, I wouldn't, I'd be too busy thinking about that all the time and I wouldn't get anywhere. I wouldn't, I wouldn't get in the mindset of, of doing what I need to do. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like um, it's, it's definitely used as a, as a quick excuse sometimes, not all the times, you know, I don't want to say that, but with, with, with those Facebook grants that I do, <laughs> Here's kind of like a secret of why I do it. Uh, sometimes I'll post a crazy topic on Facebook in the morning, and I won't look at it all day. And it's just so I have something to read before I go to bed. <laughs> just, <laughs> you guess each other is just like, oh man, these guys are crazy. <laughs> and that's it. No, but but that is something I believe because I see I've seen it more out here, like uh, people ranting about it. You know, when I started in animation at MTV, there was a good mix of everybody. I never felt that way, you know? And, uh, you know, I, I thought it was, it's less of that mix out in California, but you still see a lot of stuff, man. I, I mean, I don't see hardly any, you know, Hispanics in it. That That's more rare, you know what I mean? It's mostly like when I work at a studio, it's usually like a black, Asian, white. That's usually what it is. Like, I don't see any Hispanics around, but it doesn't really bother me. Like, you want to hear something funny is like, sometimes I go to lunch with like the Asian group, like my Asian friends at, at these animation studios. I feel like I have like a, like I don't belong there. <laughs> oh, it's like reverse. Like you're, you're the one being left out. Yeah, I'm there, you know, I'm there and I'm kind of just like, but just cause I looked apart, you know, I don't speak Chinese or, you know, it's kind of like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> Well, Kano, man, thanks so much for joining us today. And, um, you know, anytime you want to, uh, you know, check in with us, let us know. Uh, what's up, Tatiana? And before you peace out, Kano, tell us where we're going to find you, can find you and your work. You could find me on Instagram is where I'm most active on social media. And that's Kano Kid, um, Kano on Twitter. But don't even go there. I don't even do Twitter anymore. Um, <laughs> and then my website is... Uh, www.kanokid.com and uh yeah that's where you can find all my stuff and uh, and just learn more about the paintings and shows and toys that i have coming out because it's always constantly you know i'm always doing stuff so that sounds awesome tatiana's got the crazy radio voice uh, do i <laughs> tonight i do <laughs> cool man well uh thanks again for checking in and uh fan bros we'll be right back after this break Hey, this is uh, Neil Drumming, writer-director of Big Words. When I am not uh, making black Captain Shepherds and Mass Effect, I am listening to Fan Bros.
Where in the world is Benjamin? And welcome back to Fan Bros. That was dope. I like my man Kano coming through like that. Yeah, he was he was a dope artist. Shout out shout out to all our artists of color. Yes. Like learn learn the hustle. I like what yes. he was saying about that. Learn yes, he said keep your feet on the ground, keep hustling, keep putting your name out there. That is the main thing that he did, and look where it got him, man. He is out there. And fan bros, definitely check him out on the web. Tatiana, let's wrap it up. What we got? Listen, like we had said earlier, remember, we're doing the relationship advice. We're doing an advice column. Kind of like a Dear Abby, but for nerds. <laughs> <laughs> Black nerds. <laughs> um, but for, honestly, for all nerds, for all nerds, this is an equal opportunity show. And, That's true. You know, That's we want to help out all of our listeners, all of our supporters. Um, like I said, I will put a post up on the site uh, just so you can see what we, where we need you to do. Um, let us know. We, we're here to help. We're here to talk about your issues and give you some solutions. Um, in addition, we are still looking for Fanbros writers. Uh, Fanbros.com um, needs writers, people. Um, we already have a lot of submissions, actually. And there is a Fanbros submission application that needs to be filled. Very short application. Um, just time we just get an understanding of who you are, what you're about, your your activity level when it comes to writing posts. We just want to know a little bit more about you. So that post will also be on the fa- uh, website. Also, the link to the application will be up there. Um, so we need everybody. Even if you're looking for, um, you're looking to write editorials, you're looking to do some reviews, whatever you think is cool, hit us up. We'll look you up. You know, we'll see what we can do. I also want to shout out the uh, Black Comic Book Fest this weekend. This is the weekend, the MLK weekend at the Schaumburg here in New York. Very local. But I did want to shout it out that there is something called the Black Comic Book Fest right. at the Schaumburg. This is the Schaumburg up in Harlem, right? This is the Schaumburg up in Harlem. Come through. It's kind of new. Um, it's obviously not as big as Comic-Con yet. Who knows? But uh, it's definitely a lot of interesting titles, a lot of independent work. So, uh, I'm going to be passing through, and I'm going to try and catch up with a couple of folks, and maybe we can showcase that in an upcoming show. Uh, anything else, Tatiana? Uh, your boy, Ben Amin, will be back next week. Yes, Ben Amin will save the day. I know I said that last week, but I'm, I mean it this time. And the Space Ghost producer will return to the Phantom Zone. Thank you guys for listening. Appreciate it. Where in the world is Ben Amin? Phantom!